that music is important to you because we love to make music for you. Father, thank you for the, the privilege of being able to sing to you um, as a form of worship, that you welcome all of our voices, that you welcome uh, everything that we have. Um, God, thank you so much uh, for the gift of your son. Thank you for Jeff's cell phone. Thank you for humor. But most importantly, Lord, we thank you uh, that we can gather together today freely and publicly uh, proclaim your name. Give us open hearts, open ears, open minds uh, to the word that you've delivered to Pastor Joe today. God, may it pierce us. Uh, May it move us to act and not just sit. In the name of your son, we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, as you are seated, please listen to and for the word of the Lord as it is recorded in the book of Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, They spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. So I was talking to some people before church, and I was telling how, you know, I love Christmas and hate it at the same time. Don't be offended, please. Come on, give me a break. (laughs) Not really hate, but one of the things I struggle with as a pastor is, you know, I have to, I get to preach these sermons on Advent each year and, and it's hard to make them different. You know, how many sermons have you heard about Mary and the shepherds and the wise men and all that? And I was talking to Marcia beforehand. She goes, you know, it's okay. We like to hear it again sometimes. So that relieve the pressure. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> and as I was studying this this week, uh, preparing the sermon for today about the shepherds, I was really struggling. So I called Daryl on Thursday and I said, Daryl, I'm really struggling. And he helped me with some stuff. Then I called Megan on Saturday and I, she helped me with some stuff. So I have to say like 50% of this is not even mine. It's, it's the team. And I'm so thankful that I have people that are so talented and gifted in that area that I could call when I'm struggling, you know, because every week I come up here to preach the word of God. Sometimes I can't figure it out. 
And so I wanted to say that ahead of time, knowing that this sermon is a collaborative effort. So if it's not any good, you know why. <laughs> and if it is good, just forget the part I told you about collaboration. So we're talking about how life without Christmas is boring. Life without Christmas is dull. Life without Christmas, honestly, is pointless. And I think you'll see what I'm talking about. We're talking about the shepherds today. Uh, Steve read the passage in Luke chapter 2. Um, I want to talk about the historical part of the shepherds. Um, they were living in a field. What was life like for them? What was the world like? Honestly, if you think about it, when the kids do the little Christmas plays, the shepherd's the worst part in the play. Right? What are you? Oh, I'm a shepherd. Oh, that's good. <laughs> You're not the baby Jesus? No. You're not Mary? No. You're not Joseph? No, I'm a shepherd. Oh, a shepherd. <laughs> and it's interesting, though, because actually the shepherd had an interesting life in the fact that it was so uninteresting. I mean, the shepherd's life was boring and dull and monotonous and repetitive. They lived in a field. They watched animals. Every once in a while, one would run away and it'd get really exciting and they'd go find him and bring him back. That was their life. They ate in the fields. They slept in the fields. They hung out in the fields with the sheep. They were detached from society. Nobody really wanted anything to do with the shepherds because everybody assumed other than watching our sheep that we get our wool from and sometimes that we eat, they really have nothing to offer us except when they bring their sheep to us for what they produce. Nobody really had anything like, you know, I have a problem. I'm struggling with my marriage. I'm going to go talk to the shepherds. I'm struggling who to vote for in the next Caesar election. It's a joke. They didn't vote. I'm going to ask the shepherds their opinion. And the reason they were detached and nobody really wanted to connect with them, and no, no, nobody wanted to connect with them, is because they were of limited education. I mean, let's be honest, you didn't need a degree, a master of divinity in shepherding. You just needed someone to teach you how to watch sheep. When they go over there, follow them. <laughs> if one runs away, go get him. That's it. They didn't really have a whole lot to learn about sheep watching. And this produced an uneventful, unfulfilling living. It wasn't a great job. Sleeping outside with the animals. Very little interaction with people. That was their life. Then we look at the shepherd's world. Let's first look at the religious part of it. They had no religious credibility. They were men without religious credibility. They weren't even allowed to go to the temple for sacrifices. Their job basically kind of rendered them unclean. That was their religious world. Non-existent. In fact, and you can see how hard this would be before Jesus, the only way they could connect with God was on their own. But yet the religious institutions at the time taught, you need us to connect with God. 
There were no churches or synagogues set up to reach the shepherds. Listen, uh, I want to tell you, I'm going to plant a synagogue in the fields to reach the shepherds. It's going to be a shepherd-sensitive church. That was their religious world. Now, the political side of it. They were the least respected members of society. They weren't the brightest. They weren't the most respected. And as a matter of fact, what's interesting, though, in that is that the scripture is filled with examples of lowly shepherds that God exalts. David. Amos. Moses. Even Jesus is called the good shepherd. And before you think, oh, the good shepherd. Back then, that's kind of a lowly, pathetic title. Oh, well, you're a good shepherd. They held the type of job that most people look down on today as inferior. It's a dead-end job. It's an entry-level position. I'm not telling you all this to rip on the shepherds. I'm telling you how they lived, how they were perceived, and what they probably felt like. You got it? Got that in your head? These were the shepherds. We just think about, oh, the little lambs, they're so cute, they're precious. We think the little shepherds, the little precious lambs, they're so the precious lambs. This was their life. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. Let's look at the theological. What does God do? <clears throat> Finally, something exciting happens for them. The shepherds, alone, in the field, with the sheep. There goes one. Go get him. That's their life. Nobody wants to interact. But God does. He sends an angel. To announce the arrival of the long-awaited Messiah. The thing that the religious culture, the religious echelon were waiting for for decades, centuries. They've been waiting for Messiah and waiting for Messiah. Surely when Messiah comes, we will be the first to know because we run the temple. Instead, God goes to the lowliest part of the Jewish society, the shepherds, and says, Hey, I got news. You know that guy that the people in the temple have been waiting for? He's coming but he's not going to the temple. He's going to be in a manger. And I'm telling you first. He chooses these unlikely recipients of this incredible message, this most important announcement, the thing that people have been waiting for, by the way, waiting for with a different perspective than what God had, but still they're waiting for this event. They're waiting for Advent. Grace coming toward them, as I taught you last week, advenient grace. They've been waiting for it and waiting for it. And finally, it's here. And he picks these shepherds to be the ones that carry the most important announcement that heaven has had since the prophet Malachi. Centuries of silence broken by an angel to sheep herders. What? God punctuates the message. He says, you know, there's a Savior born in a manger, all these other things. It's a great. And then he punctuates. And just in case you think that you're imagining this, there's a bunch, about a million other angels here with me. A host of angels declaring God's sovereignty, singing of the worship and praise of this Messiah upon whom his favor rests. That's what God does. 
And what's interesting is I bet in the middle of the night as the shepherds are doing this and hearing this and seeing this host of angels, the religious elite were sound asleep, sleeping off the wine. And the shepherds got to hear it first. Let's talk about the Advent impact on these shepherds. I mean, you can imagine these shepherds have one way of life, kind of boring, kind of dull, uneventful, predictable. Maybe every once in a while, two sheep run away. They got to get two instead of one. I don't know, but that's about it. And then suddenly, there's a life-altering message. A message that before the first syllable is uttered, they have no idea is coming. And then, boom, out of the darkness, their life is turned on its... I imagine, do you think... I was thinking about this yesterday. I wonder what the sheep did when these angels appeared. And they ran away all over. What do we... And the shepherds, do we listen? Do we get the sheep? I don't know. What do we do? Sheep are running. Angels singing. Chaos! Chris, like your house with all the foster kids you've been looking after. We had, we had 32 foster kids at one point. Was that how many you had? Four. It was four. It wasn't 32. <laughs> it felt like 32, I think. So I'm just thinking about what the sheep were doing. This life-altering message. The alteration started right when the sheep started running. It had immediate impact on them. I'll tell you the first thing, life was no longer dull and ordinary. <laughs> All right, this is pretty cool, this thing. After this is done, we've got a lot of work to do getting these sheep back. But then we've got this message to deal with. At first, though, the scripture says they were fearful. Like, if you were a shepherd watching the sheep, and angels appeared, started talking, and the sheep scattered, and the sky's bright, you'd be a little bit fearful, too. But suddenly the angels say, don't be afraid. For I bring you a message of great joy. So they went immediately from fearful. Oh my gosh, the people are going to kill us. The sheep are gone and these angels were dead. And now all of a sudden they shifted joyful. This is the most amazing moment of my pathetic life. I can't believe what is happening to me, us, and our sheep right now. And then what's happened is a Think about this. If you're a shepherd in the field, these angels appear, and you hear this message, is your first response to, yeah, I believe it. Or is it going to be, we got to stop drinking this wine. <laughs> what happens is a miraculous thing. They immediately receive the message as true. Why? Because faith is a gift. That's why. That's the supernatural interaction with the shepherds. It's not just that the angels brought them this message. In a pretty grand way, it's that God enabled them by the Spirit to believe it. And because of the gift of faith and being able to believe it, they were now able to leave the fields as chosen proclaimers. They were transformed at one instance from common shepherds to amazing messengers. See, what God does is uses the least respected, lowest members of society. These were men that were totally detached from the world. People that most would never even give a second thought to. 
but now they are the first messengers of the most important world-changing message ever. They have gone from detached from society, now because they're armed with this message, they are now detached from detached to fully engaged and crucial. And at that moment, think about this, at that moment they became more important to the spiritual condition of the world than those that ran the temple from where they were banned from. At that moment, these shepherds were more important than the priest who said, you can't come worship. The world was more, and the world didn't know this, but the world was more dependent upon them at that moment than the people with all the degrees. I love that. Let's talk about the devotional part of this story about the shepherds. I want to talk about the effects of Advent on us. We're not shepherds. But imagine, if you will, for a moment, the day the message of Advent came to you. Just like the shepherds started with fear and went to joy, the immediate impact is it turns our fear of God to hope and salvation. See, Christmas transforms our view of God from judge, sitting up there with lightning bolts in his fingers, to father sacrificing his son. It motivates us for the first time to know God instead of avoiding him. The shepherds made an expert life out of avoiding life. And the message transformed in the people that were fully engaged in the world around them at that point because they had received the message of hope and redemption. And what happens with us when God advents, when God comes toward us, is we are no longer afraid of God. Now we want to embrace him because we know what God's about. Grace. And without Christmas, we spend our life either analyzing our deficiencies before God and trying humanly to make up for them, or we spend it trying to avoid dealing with the reality that without Jesus we face God as judge. No, think about it. Without Christmas, those are the only two options you have. You ignore God, I'm an atheist, or I'm really bad, I've got to try to fix myself. Failure. You know what else it does? It provides the object of our faith. See, Christmas salvation, if you'll understand what I'm getting at, not the trees and not necessarily even the baby Jesus, but it's the work of Jesus. Christmas is the object of the gift of faith. I mean, the reason the shepherds had something to believe in is because there was a message of hope and redemption through Messiah. The same is true with us. Why do we have the gift of faith? Because there's a message we must believe in. And Christmas provides the object of our faith, the reason for our faith, the purpose and the, and the point of faith. It is the message of salvation and restoration to heavenly dad through his son, Jesus Christ. And then I love this one. It transforms our dull life into sacred purpose. See, life is pointless without sacred purpose. Do you understand that? I mean, sacred purpose is the secret to a key to a fulfilling life. 
Everything else we do in life without a sacred purpose is just looking for ways to live from one temporary emotional high to the next and hoping the lows don't destroy us. I mean, think about how dull life centered around providing for yourself and your family and struggling to get ahead really is. If that's all you have to live for, to get a skill, to get a job, to make money, to have a family, and have enough to leave for them when I die. If that's it, you're the shepherds. But what the gospel does is it takes us out of that being our purpose and gives us a new sacred one. Think about how dull the daily grind becomes without something that disrupts it and transforms it. That's a good line right there, right? That was Megan's, word for word. (laughs) Think about how dull the daily grind becomes without something that disrupts it and transforms it. Sacred purpose gives us a life greater than the pursuit of detached success. Doesn't that describe the shepherds? Success that is earthly and does not connect us with heavenly dad. Christmas gives us a purpose greater than that. Because what we learn through Christmas is this. Earthly success doesn't fix our separation from God. Christmas does. And the last thing it does for us is it gives immediately is it gives us a reason to leave the fields. Whatever your field is, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a dysfunctional relationship. Maybe it's personal sinful habits. Maybe it's disease or illness. I don't know what your field is, but Christmas gives you courage to live beyond it and to no longer be defined by it. Christmas allows you to not be defined by your field. You are now defined by the message from the angels. That's exciting. Now let's talk about the future impact for us. I have one point for this. It enables us to amaze others with the message of God's grace. Now, when the shepherds are talking about it, why was everyone so amazed? I mean, obviously, there was a supernatural component. What? Angels? But then there was also the message itself that God had sent his son. Remember how the shepherds were amazed with the message from the angels? Remember how when you first believed... You were amazed? That was your shepherd moment. He pulled you out of the fields. And he said, I've got a message. It's for you and all those who will believe. It was the grace of God that was so amazing. And we take that same message to others who are in turn amazed. The message from the angels to the shepherds has been amazing people for centuries. This same message in the field to the shepherds has created churches like Grace Life. It's transformed people. It's taken their life from dull and mundane and boring and routine and purposeless and given a sacred purpose that makes life worth living. I'll tell you this, no matter what your situation in life may be, Christmas is designed to disrupt it and transform it completely. Maybe today Christmas has found you in your dull, boring, detached field. Some of you make a lot of money in your field. 
Some of you, not as much. Both are boring without Christmas. Maybe you understand the message of hope and redemption today for the first time. Maybe you today have been given a sacred purpose, like the shepherds. Maybe you are being amazed at this moment. And you know what comforts me about this? Thank God it is not my responsibility to amaze you, because I can't. But I know the message the shepherds heard, and I heard, will. Because when Christmas comes, like it did for the shepherds, and what is Christmas again? It's Jesus, the message, the gospel, salvation. When Christmas comes, it makes a dull, detached life sacred, purposeful, hopeful, and exciting. Are you ready to leave your field? I know I am. Let's pray. God, we just, uh, we ask that you would just get us out of our field. We understand we need jobs and we need roles and responsibilities, but we do not want that to define us any longer. We love how you allowed the shepherds to be redefined. They weren't just shepherds anymore. They were messengers. That's what we want from you. Amaze us by the message of grace so that we can amaze others. Thank you that you give us the ability through the miraculous gift of faith to leave our fields. Amen.